Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Julie R. and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today, if, um, if you could mute your phone, that would be great. Sounds like somebody's walking. Today is Friday, October 7th. Today... Okay. Um, if everybody could check their line, there's a lot of noise. Let's mute the line. Okay, so we'll start over real quick. Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Julie R. and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Friday, October 7th. Today we are reading from the big book and we are at page 154, the third paragraph. Of course he couldn't drink, but why not sit? Today's readers are Carrie P., Jane P., and Lauren S. The reference number for Thursday, October 6, is 9148, OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our meeting, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Edith R. to read the 12 steps. This is Edith R. from Tennessee. The 12 steps. One, we admit that we are powerless over food and our lives have become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for a knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. Pat. Thank you, Edith R. 
I will now ask Kimberly L. to read the 12 traditions. Good morning. This is Kimberly L. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Georgia. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself and our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is the desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. These problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, Kimberly L. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic in the literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read, and we are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 154, starting with the third paragraph and then reading through the second paragraph. Our co- the shares will be on the second paragraph read. I will now ask Carrie P. to start reading. Carrie P., star one to unmute. Good morning. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. This is Carrie P., a recovered compulsive overeater, and thank you for allowing me to serve. Of course he couldn't drink, but why not sit hopefully at a table, a bottle of ginger ale before him? After all, had he not been sober six months by now? Perhaps he could handle, say, three drinks, no more. Fear gripped him. He was on thin ice. Again, it was the old insidious insanity. 
that first drink. With a shiver, he turned away and walked down the lobby to the church directory. Music and gay chatter still floated to him from the bar. But what about his responsibilities, his family and the men who would die because they would not know how to get well? Ah, yes, those other alcoholics. There must be many such in his town. He would phone a clergyman. His sanity returned, and he thanked God selecting a church at random from the directory. He stepped into a booth and lifted the receiver. Do I stop there? Yes, and go ahead and share on that paragraph. So good morning. This is Carrie P., a recovered compulsive overeater. And what I really like about this paragraph is the directing, you know, the direction of, you know, working with others and helping others. And, you know, I know that for myself, there's been times where I had thought, you know, oh, forget this, but that that sentence of we have to sacrifice our time for others, you know, has pulled me through those insidious thoughts and those mental twists that I've had. And, you know, I really like that, you know, it, it presents the, um, the mental twist that, that Bill's thinking with the, sitting with the ginger ale and in the gay chatter and why put ourselves in those circumstances when we're on, when, when we're on thin ice. So with that, I'm going to pass. Thank you. Thank you, Carrie P. And I'd like to remind everybody to hit star one to mute your phone um, after we ask for volunteers to share. Who would like to share on the second paragraph read? It's Larry. Larry Kay. KDF. KDF. Okay, after KDF, I didn't get the name. Chris in Georgia. Chris in Georgia, okay. Carissa. Oh, Carissa, okay. Carissa with a T. Right. Anyone else? Okay, well, let's start. Uh, Could you repeat your name? Great. Okay, we're going to start with Larry K, Katie F, and uh, Corintha and Maury F. Okay, Larry K, go ahead. Okay, thanks so much for your service, Larry K, uh, uh, compulsive overeater. Um, You know, it's said that, you know, that words, you know, I think of the words in this book, they're they're just like musical notes, you know, and, and rather it's the ideas that are coming from those notes that form the melody, you know, and I, so when I read this book, you know, I, you know, I look at it in that, in that regard. And, and so here, what you have is you have uh, Bill Wilson and he, uh, he, yeah, I'm going to focus in on the fact that he gets to that, to that, uh, that church directory and he picks up the receiver, you know, and, um, you know, and, and I'm going to focus on, you know, how he, you know, just briefly, you know, he gets a hold of through a, a series of kind of divine, I believe, divine, uh, divine intervention situation. He gets in touch with uh, Henrietta Sieberling. Um, and Henrietta Sieberling uh, was not an alcoholic, but she was involved in the, uh, the Oxford group movement of the day. And, uh, 
you know, and she, she, you know, is not necessarily given, you know, so much credit, but she was, um, you know, she was satisfied working in the background. She put Bill in touch with Dr. Bob, and you know, this was someone who graduated from uh, from Vassar College <clears throat> at the age of 15, and was certainly, you know, a person that was involved in the Oxford group movement at the, of the day, and helped to get the, you know, the the helped to initiate a start with. Um, with uh, you know getting some of these drunks that were involved in the uh, in the Oxford group movement, and she eventually put uh, Bill in touch with Dr. Bob, where they met. And I don't want to get too far ahead, but just to say that just the mere fact that that Bill had that intuitive thought to 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 step away from you know from the uh, the bar area where the gay chatter is coming, and and to walk over and pick up this receiver, I believe again was a very divine. Uh, notion here, and he was driven by his higher power, I believe, because he did say a prayer, according to his account. He said a prayer to get through that moment, and he was put in touch with with uh, with Dr. Bob. And you know, had that not occurred, I don't think you know we would be on the line today. And if that again, it may sound like an overstatement to some, but you know, to me, I mean, if you if you really connect the dots, you see that this this divine situation it permeates throughout the whole development of what later became Alcoholics Anonymous. And I'm very grateful that he made that decision and that um and that we're here today because of these these events that happened. Um, um and, and we the last I'll say in wrapping up is that we do the same thing today. We we carry the message today and we from one person to another person. So it's a beautiful, beautiful program. And with that I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry. And Katie F. and then Teresa from Georgia. Good morning. This is Katie F., a recovered compulsive overeater. And to me, this is um, just, this is what differentiates me from the normal um, eater, is that, you know, of course he couldn't drink. Um, He was on thin ice. You know, I've had that thought come to me, you know, maybe I'm making too big a deal out of this. Maybe, you know, maybe I can just um, let go of um, all this, you know, um, weighing and measuring. And, and, you know, I've been absent for a long time now. Um, So I'm sure I can just eyeball my food. And, you know, (laughs) the further I get into that thinking, the more uh, there's this, not that builds in my stomach and I actually feel like I'm going to throw up. And I am so grateful for that because the thought immediately turns back to, no, (laughs) I don't have that option. If I could just eat this afternoon and um, call my sponsor, get a new sponsor tomorrow, why would I be doing this? Why would I be on this line every day almost? And why would I be, you know, planning my food every day, um, working the steps and talking to newcomers, you know, returning calls, having sponsees, all of this stuff we do, you know, I, it's not like some great um, monetary value, but it saved my life. And if my life didn't need to be saved, then I would be able to do exactly what this is saying. I'd be able to go and sit at Dunkin' Donuts and, you know, have the donut holes and, you know, a, a latte. Um, and then, you know, to say, well, I had a bad day, let's just start over. <laughs> but that is the biggest joke there is because that's what I tried to do for decades 
and it never worked. The more I picked up the food, the more, uh, the farther I got away from any semblance of uh, sanity in my life. So, you know, I talked to someone yesterday who was having a hard time with their sponsor and thought, well, I'll just go eat this afternoon and then I'll get a new sponsor tomorrow. And I said, uh, you know, if you could do that, then why do you need a sponsor? So, you know, and that's the kind of thinking I had. I wanted to put the cart before the horse. And thank you, God, there are so many people out there who are looking for this, um, looking for a solution. Whether they pick it up when I talk to them, whether they say, oh, yes, this is what I want, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life, I have no idea. But it gets me off of that thin ice and puts me back on solid ground. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Katie F. Next will be Teresa, if you could give us your, um, last, your initial of your last name, and then Maureen K. Good morning. You want me to give you what? The initial of your last name. That, yeah. Okay, go ahead and share. Yes, this is Teresa in Georgia, and this is my fifth meeting of I and I do have a sponsor in Ohio. And as I read this, I noticed the word fear. It's gripping out and I'm being on thin ice and uh, what brought to me the insidious insanity, the obsession of having a choice here. We can step away, uh, we can be driven by our higher power, and we can remember that our higher power is in charge of our uh, control today if we just remember to have a little gratitude and thank him for getting us through the moment. and not give in to this insidious moment of taking this food or going into this uh, bar and grabbing this whatever might be popcorn or food or I know some of the bars they have food and things for you to eat and you can order from the menu and different things. They're not giving in to this insidious mood. They're just reaching out and grabbing and gobbling with the food and taking those bins and then some uh, not going and throwing it up or keep eating and then feeling guilty about what we eat, we can make that choice to carry the message on step 12 and go call our sponsor uh, before we just make that choice to give in to it and just say the heck with it and have the consequences of our stomach feeling full and getting sick and not being and having consequences to pay for that. But um, that low low energy, that consequences, that just giving in as he gave to the church directory to reach out to uh, it says his about his responsibility of his family and the men who who would die. I mean, he surely to die if he doesn't get his control under control. He'd be back on the bench again, and then he'd be uh, retracking to doing the same thing and getting a, getting the same results. So this is a new way of thinking. Thank you so much. Pass. Thank. 
Thank you, Teresa. I'd like to remind everyone that we are sharing on the second paragraph that was read, but what about his responsibilities? And Maureen Kay, you are next. Star one to unmute. Hi there, it's Maureen Kay, uh, um, Maureen M, actually, but, you know, again, I'll be Maureen Kay, that's fine. Um, Some days I am someone different, but anyway, I I love this chapter because I feel that Bill really kind of went through the whole entire 12 steps in these few paragraphs. the bitter disappointment, you know, the dismal afternoon, uh, the loneliness he felt. Uh, and then, you know, he he was really having a lot of trouble. Um, he had one of two choices that he had to make. Um, one was an attractive bar, gay crowd, companionship, release, but unless he took some drinks, he might have not uh, not have the courage. So he was down. He had no courage um, to scrape an acquaintance and would have a lonely weekend, God forbid. Um, what, what struck me was like he wanted so much to talk with someone, but whom? Now, I don't know back in those days if they had sponsors, um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about the history of that, but um, he knew he couldn't drink, so that was the first step. But the mental twist was trying to play around with him. You know, maybe I could do this, maybe I could do that, and then the thoughts. You know, the fear gripped him. He was he was on thin ice, and you know, with a shiver. That was the acceptance of step one. He knew that that wasn't much, that wasn't going to work for him, and he walked down down the lobby, um, and then that opened the gates to him making a decision. Um, he knew that music and gay chatter was always going to be there, but it wasn't music and gay chatter for him at the end. No, it was deplorable, pretty much. Um, so I think that came through for him because he had worked the 12 steps and he felt a responsibility to others at that point um, to carry the message. He had a spiritual awakening. Um, he had to practice these principles in all our affairs. And through that, through the reaching out, the humility of reaching out, his honesty, his openness, his willingness, his recognition whether subconscious or conscious of the indispensable to this program, his sanity returned and he thanked God, his higher power, for helping him realize what he really needed. Time. And um, I just, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. Thank you so much. And I pass. Thank you. Uh, We are sharing on page 154, the last paragraph, but what about his responsibilities? Who would like to share next? Chrissy G. Chrissy G. 
Hold on, hold on. Nessa R. Sarah W. Sarah W. Reva P. Valerie B. Reva P. Valerie B. Melissa C. Melissa C. Wayne C. Wayne C. Okay, we'll start start with that. So we have Chrissy G. Nessa R. Sarah W. Reva B. So go ahead, Chrissy G. Hi, this is Chrissy G. Can you hear me? Yes, and if everyone could please mute their phone by hitting star one so we could uh, hear the person sharing. Hi, I'm Chrissy G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater and anorexic from New Jersey. And this this part really, when I first when I first heard it and read it, was so powerful for me because I've had those moments. I've had those moments where, for whatever reason, I asked God's help and I got an intuitive thought and I averted and disaster was averted. It's one one flip of the switch and it's it's only by God's grace. It's, I, I was praying about this this morning that I oftentimes when my old way is to try to um, mull over a problem and, and do a lot of thinking, 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 thinking. And what this program's teaching me, it's just such a simple switch, but it's, it means everything is that I, I pray and I talk to God and I consult with God that my thoughts on my own are ineffective. I don't have all the information. And, and to really know that, to really know that in the moment of crisis, in the moment of upset and overwhelm is so important to my emotional sobriety and, and, to, and ultimately to my abstinence and my recovery. And I'm just looking out. I'm, I'm on the other side of the Hudson River right now looking at the New York skyline, and it's just the most beautiful day. And I'm just so grateful to be alive and abstinent and to have the knowledge of this program by God's grace. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Chrissy G. And Nessa R., you're next. Hi, good morning. Good morning, Vision, for you. It's Nessa R., recovered in Toronto, Canada. Um, he finally returned. This means that he started telling himself the truth. Up until that moment, he was gripped by the mental obsession. And he was telling himself lies, that he would just go into the bar to be with people of his kind, um, maybe to have a ginger ale, or maybe have a drink, or maybe after three drinks. Um, and that was just lies, because we can never um, indulge in our drug of no choice um, on the truth. Only in lies can we um, indulge that way. And so feel great then because he was a recovered man and he was practicing these principles in all his affairs. And so he started telling himself the truth that there's no such thing as three drinks for a man like Bill. It was going to be a, a drinking binge. And I've had a similar experience. I'm sure I've shared it on the line. I mean, I share it all the time. And, um, you know, I picked up my daughter from school and she came in with a pastry uh, that smelled and looked delicious. And I thought, oh, it would be so nice to have one of those. But then quickly my mind turned uh, because, because as a recovered person, practicing these principles in all my affairs, I recall from temptation, I feel from a hot flame, 
And I told myself, yeah, Ness, it would be nice to have one of those. But Ness, cannot have just one of those. Uh, just one body will set, set me off on a binge that will bring me back to the fear, shame, guilt, and remorse, um, let alone the, the, the excess weight and obesity that comes with, with the disease. Um, and so I cannot even think of going that way, not even one bite, you know. I cannot even have one because one will never be enough. And that's what it means by sanity returning. Sanity means guiding our actions based on the truth. Insanity is guiding our actions based on our lies. And this is what recovery gives us. You know, we no longer need the food um, for a sense of ease and comfort because now we have access to a, to a bigger power than the food, which is God. And so we don't need the food. We need God. And sanity tells us just that. Um, without our pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nessar. I'd like to remind everybody to please hit star one to make sure your phone is muted. So next is Sarah W. and then Reva P. Go ahead, Sarah. Thank you for your service, Julie. This is Sarah W., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Um, I wanted to focus in on uh, two parts of the paragraph. One is, but what about his responsibility to his family and the men who would die because they would not know how to get well? Um, when I'm in disease, I am not thinking of anything about other people. I'm totally focused on myself. And part of the huge um, change in me and in others in recovery is we do start to get other-centered. And, um, you know, we can have moments where we have this, these thoughts of, you know, self, me, I, because we're human. But we, you know, I know for myself that if I'm in a negative place, one of the best things I can do for myself is reach out to other people, whether they be newcomers or whether they be people in relapse or whether they be people that I know that are hurting, you know, uh, with an illness or whatever, it is really one of the best ways for me to really get back into healthy recovery. And then I, um, I noticed the words, his sanity returned and he thanked God. That other part of the program that's so important is gratitude. If I don't have that, I really have nothing because I'm still, you know, as an addict, it was always, if you didn't do that to me, then I wouldn't do this. It was never taking responsibility for myself, for my own happiness, for my own peace. It was always making other people responsible. And the other part of it was I was always in self-pity and anger and resentment. So when I go to that place where even if I don't feel it, I start saying it and act as if. No, thank you, God, that I have to go to work today, that I get to go to work today. You know, I turn it around. And I think this is such a huge, big piece of our program that is, that is really understated, the idea of gratitude, gratitude and getting out of self. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sarah W. And Reva P., you're next, followed by Valerie B., Good morning. It's Reva P., Grateful, Recovered, Compulsive Overeater in Toronto. This paragraph, to me, illustrates what it's like um, to be a recovered, compulsive overeater. Um, And it's showing me that um, when I am recovered, I still get disappointed. I still get upset. 
I can still get agitated. So what's the difference? And the difference shown in this paragraph to me is that Bill is able to access a power greater than himself because lack of power is ultimately my dilemma. And he does that by changing or going through the steps in his mind and his thinking changes. And how does his thinking change? His thinking changes from the lie, as was shared, about you know, what the food will do for him. Um, and more than that, more than differentiating that truth from that false, he's also differentiating like going from self-centered to other-centered, which is only a result of me having worked the steps um, and because he has recovered, he's able to take that first thought um, and turn it around, you know, turn around, turn around. Um, and he has a choice that he, I didn't have before I worked the steps. Um, and it's just so fascinating to watch the process of how he works through the steps, um, which he didn't even, I guess, uh, delineate at that point yet. Um, and that's what it's like for me. It's not the first thought. It's what I do with that first thought and what actions I take, whether I take the actions of the steps to unblock myself so I can access the power. And he, here he thanks God because he knows, you know, I've heard people share, I'm so proud of myself. I went to a dinner party and I didn't pick up. Well, I'm not proud of myself because I'm not doing it. I'm accessing a power greater than myself who's doing it for me because I try to do it myself. It doesn't work. Um, and, you know, it's not just the food. Last night I was starting in on an argument with my husband, and thank you, God, it didn't have to be a whole long step 10 turnaround process. I realized very quickly this is just not the way I want to behave. This is not – it's all based on fear and whatever. And – to be able to turn that around. So it's the behaviors, it's the you know, justified angers, it's the fears. Um, I get to turn that all around and live a totally different way. Um, and yeah, it is just that daily reprieve, recovered, not cured, and we recoil like from a hot flame, not just the food, but all those other destructive behaviors. With that, I pass. Thank you, Reva P. And Valerie B. And then Melissa C. Valerie B, star one. Hello, this is Valerie B. Um, she took all the words right out of my mouth. Um, <laughs> and um, basically, um, basically what, um, what I see was happening here with Bill was that I'm, I'm thinking at this time, you know, he was only recovered for six months. He hadn't written the steps. You know, the steps weren't formally written yet. And, this is a prime example of, you know, for me, is that, um, you know, God is doing for him what he could never do for himself. And I think for myself, when the rubber meets the road and you're right there and everything's in your face and you're by yourself and no one's there and, you know, here you are at a crossroads, I mean, there was, there was a divine intervention there, you know, because, uh, you know, in the big book it talks about um, unless we have a psychic change, you know, you know, from divine providence, 
you know, and um, I am so grateful for this because I was at a point several years ago where I, I was going to, I did 90 and 90 meetings, you know, 90 meetings in 90 days, and I was making phone calls and using tools, and I'd go to meetings and come out and binge my brains out in my car. Um, one time I, I had ice cream just fall all over myself and into my seat. There was a stain in my car seat. And um, I am so grateful today for a power greater than myself because I can't do this. I can't do this. And um, and since I've been in recovery, um, I'm finding you know, my higher power doing for me what I could never do for myself. And I'm I'm so grateful and I'm so grateful for you all and for this program. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you very much, Valerie B. And Melissa C., you're next, followed by Wayne C. And make sure we um, mute our phones. Thank you. Hi, good morning. It's Melissa C., recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, you know, I just love this. It's the sanity return. Um, and um, and it's a result of putting other people first. You know, I mean, he starts thinking about his responsibilities, not, you know, yes, his family, economic responsibilities, but more to these people out there he doesn't even know yet, but that exists that if he picks up, will never hear the message from him. Um, and and it's that's exactly um, what it means to be recovered. You know, when we talk about like a transformation, a personality transformation, um, that's it for me completely. It, it's I go from a state, or I went from a state of four maids, four maids, all without me, and and things aren't going my way, um, to let me put some other people first and, and not just let me put some other people first, but um, let me base my life on putting other people first. And, um, and I feel an incredible sense of responsibility to carry the message. Um, you know, I don't do it perfectly, but I do it um, with as much integrity as I can um, because I have no life if I'm not living this recovered life. Um, you know, just like him, the, the thought to have, you know, to, to maybe just sit there and have a ginger ale, um, to maybe have three, um, that's insane. You know, that's, that's my life unraveling so fast. And, you know, and this is, I think this is what's so incredibly strong about our particular fellowship here on this line that I might not have found in, in the other rooms of OA is people um, really take this responsibility for one another quite seriously, um, you know, and I know that because I get phone calls, you know, all the time from people who need help or who want to help, and um, and when we do that together, you know, the food really, it loses its appeal. It, it, it becomes... Um, really clear that the food is my poison and my sanity returns. And um, thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. And Wayne C., you're next. Thank you. Uh, good morning. Uh, I, I echo the sentiments of the previous speaker in many respects. Um, I like the 
what about his responsibilities, um, his family, the men who would die, um, those other alcoholics. I think that's so profound of a statement in my years. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty new to, to the visions uh, approach, and of course, it's, uh, it's a good approach, and I'm, I'm coming to terms with also some of the, you know, I've been... My first meeting was 27 years ago. And, I, you know, I just remember sitting there and this is in AA and I was like, these people are crazy. You know, they were laughing. And, of course, I was, you know, much younger, but I was like very, very. And I'm pretty sure the guy who was who took me was was trying to sponsor me. And, and I never got it. I was just happy that he took me to a coffee shop and we're going to have some donuts. And so up until current times, you know, it's actually, uh, you know, I've, I've done the steps and in my fellowship, blah, blah, blah. And, and even in my uh, OA thing, I'm you know, starting to chip away at, at these things. And uh, I, can't, I can't help to notice that the void is sure a lot of water down out there. And so, you know, here it tells me that, like, there's a certain prescription to to go about helping and you know learning from visions that there's a certain way as well that you know you got to do it the big book way right this is how it's written right here on how he did it this is what what he did right he he made that call to try and help someone and god gave him strength and and so it's just so so appealing to hear that and to see that um anyways i'm just I'm, I'm just sort of wrapping my head around all this stuff and it's very overwhelming at times, but also very in a pleasant way. So uh, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Wayne. Is there anyone else would like to share on this paragraph before we move on? Alyssa B. Alyssa, Alyssa B. Mm-hmm. Okay. And there was somebody else. Reggie O. Reggie O. Okay. Alyssa B. And then Reggie O. Hi, I'm Alyssa B. from Chicago, and I'm a compulsive overeater. And um, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Go ahead. Okay. Um, One of the things that I love so much is that it says here that he goes from needing the courage to scrape an acquaintance, which is his disease, lying to him, totally lying to him, and he's already filled with fear, to going into a booth to selecting a church at random. And just, you know, changing the discourse, changing the dialogue, the frame of reference from convincing himself that he would need this substance to just be able to be around people to suddenly the notion of helping someone makes him able to just pick a random church from the directory. It didn't matter which church it was. You know, that to me gives me so much, so much hope. I mean, within the same breath that he's terrified of being around other people without this thing, without, you know, for me it's food, to then just being able to randomly select a church, you know, that is God working in his life. And, you know, I recently had a step in um, in my absence, and I had to come on the line and introduce myself and be honest about, my, you know, the fact that I was struggling. But, you know, it's the nature of this amazing um, group and the fellowship that, you know, these people picked, you know, me, strangers, to call me and see how I'm doing. And, you know, in the last few days, I feel so welcomed and so much love. And, um it's helped me more than I can even express. And, you know, being able to pick up the phone for a number that's calling me at random in a 
you know, a city that I, and from a random part of the country. And, um, you know, that space, the notion of helping someone gives us so much strength. And I'm seeing how um, there's a massive connection between fear um, and letting go and being able to just, like, surrender all of that in order to help another person. I really am starting to see, truthfully, um, how that can contribute to recovery in a very real way. And it's um, incredible how connecting with people from the line has given me so much. And um, I just thought it was amazing that in, within the same minute that he can be gripped with fear of having to be around people to then randomly picking up the phone. It's just remarkable. And um, it gives me a lot of hope and strength. And um, the more I surrender and the more I let go and the more I do the work, the better my life gets. Thanks. Thank you, Alyssa B. And Reggie O., you're next. Hi, good morning. Thank you for your service. This is Reggie O. in the Los Angeles area. And this was a, what a, I'm just amazed at this book and, you know, how it, it's so inspired that everything in it speaks about everything else in it. But I, I was really struck here by a lot of things, you know, that uh, it, I, I was thinking of Jim's story back in the early part of the book and how the difference between Jim's story and Bill's story here in a very similar situation uh, where that that parallel with our sound reasoning there inevitably runs some insanely trivial excuse for taking the first drink. And when Jim had the thought cross his mind about putting the whiskey in his milk, it couldn't hurt him. Uh, and he felt he wasn't any too smart while doing it, but the insane idea won out. And it speaks to uh, earlier it said that, you know, Jim's problem was that he had not uh, enlarged his spiritual life. And here here we have, you know, here's Bill, and he has a very similar situation. And then he, he made the turn. You know, there was, he made the turn. He, uh, he thought he made the turn. He walked down to the lobby. And then his, you know, and then he shifted into that amazing place where uh, actually Dr. I guess uh, the uh, doctor talks about, you know, the altruistic movement. It really, his, his heart went from being self-centered, you know, to how can I, you know, get some company here and what can I do to make myself feel better. It's what, what about these other people? What about my family? What about the other alcoholics out there who, uh, who really need my help? And, and then the turn was made. He made a different decision. He would phone a clergyman and his sanity returned. And then he was incredibly, uh, and then he was incredibly grateful. And it, it speaks to the work that he, he had done, you know, it, it, even being inspired in the first place in his early recovery back in the hospital. Uh, if I could only help other people, he had this inspired idea. If I could help other people with this, pass it along. That's a part of the process. And even, you know, it made me even think that that, like we know, like from that, it helps, it helps us, obviously. Uh, but because if I could reach out and help someone else, it takes the attention off me. And then there's also a turn in recovery where it's just, it's, it's, it's really altruistic. It's this desire to help other people. That's, you know, that's what we've been given to do. And uh, as you know, so it's just um, very, very grateful for this, this uh continuing message of this of this meeting um and um that's it i'll pass thank you reggie O. and jane b would you please read the first paragraph on page 155 yes thanks julie this is jane b a gratefully recovered overeater in minnesota his call to the clergyman led him presently to a certain resident of the town 
who, though formerly able and respected, was then nearing the nadir of alcoholic despair. It was the usual situation. Home in jeopardy, wife ill, children distracted, bills in arrears, and standing damaged. He had a desperate desire to stop, but saw no way out, for he had earnestly tried many avenues of escape. Painfully aware of being somehow abnormal, the man did not fully realize what it meant to be alcoholic. Wow, as I read that this morning, I'm so struck by the crazy paradox that the more things change, the more they stay the same. My life is so much like these two men from back there, and in other ways, it's so different. I can go to a town or a city anywhere in the world, and with this phone in my pocket, I can find a face-to-face meeting, an online meeting. I can listen to vision. It doesn't matter when. Um, I can reach out to somebody and help them while getting sustenance for my own allergy of the body and obsession of the mind. It's just, it's kind of an awesome thing to me this morning to think about how alike that these two people I am and then how different in some ways the world is right now and how different it is because of the two of them meeting up. It's unbelievable. Uh, I want to focus just for a minute, too, on the Dr. Bob part of this story where it says he had a desperate desire to stop but saw no way out. He had earnestly tried many avenues of escape. Boy, that was me and the food. And I was so painfully aware of how being abnormal, I was so hopeless. I was so helpless. If I'm in the food, I'm on the front with the food, and it's a war every day. And I have a good day or a bad day, depending on what I put in my mouth. That's the whole the whole substance of my life. And I can tell you it would be a bad day because I would put the food in my mouth. Um, thank God for these two men, for the steps, for all that they created and the way that this fellowship has worked. Thank God for vision in my life so that I have a daily reprieve. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, I'd like to remind everybody to please mute your phone. Who would like to share on this paragraph? Lynn MG. Please M. Leanne F. Okay, I have Lynn. I have Kim G. There was somebody, Leah M. And I missed somebody. Deanne F. Deanne. Okay. Great. Okay. Let's start with Lynn S. Good morning. Followed by Kim G. Good morning. This is Lynn S., a recovering compulsive reader from Toronto, Canada. He had a desperate desire to stop but saw no way out, for he had earnestly tried many avenues of escape. Painfully aware of being somewhat abnormal, the man did not fully realize what it meant to be alcoholic. Boy, this puts me right back into a, a place I've shared many times, but it's so powerful for me. I'm standing in my kitchen. I can see it now. I'm cutting up two ounces of carrots and celery sticks or carrots and celery sticks with two ounces of cottage cheese and I'm 
putting caraway seeds on the cottage cheese because I hate cottage cheese, but it's Tuesday and that's lunch. And so you eat it anyway because it's on the paper. And I'm 140 pounds plus overweight. And I'm standing there and the tears are rolling down my eyes. And it said, it can't be that God said, I want everybody in the world to be happy, but you, Lynn Skilling, are to be miserable. And I thought, there is something wrong with me. And it was so profound, just so profound, because I didn't believe in God, so I don't know why I was talking to God. And my whole life, at, at that point, I was at the absolute lowest point, and I had tried everything. I'd had... Um, intestinal bypass. I had been to doctors since God knows when, probably since I was four. I've been on diets. I had tried absolutely everything. And I didn't even want to lose weight anymore because I'd lost weight. I lost my first 100 pounds at 16. So my balance was 100 up, 100 down, 110 up, 90 down. We all know the story. But that I've heard it often said, sometimes before you come into program, there's a moment of clarity or maybe just the, the gift of desperation. I don't know what it was, but I will never forget that image as long as I live. And somehow, you know, I had an opportunity to go to Nutrisystem. I was going uh, to a food allergist and OA. And the Nutrisystem, the person didn't show up, and I had my checkbook ready to write out the $1,000 or whatever it is that you write out for your food for that week. The food allergist told me I was allergic to veal, so don't eat veal. And, you know, everybody else had wheat and these kind of allergies, and the weight was dropping off them when they didn't eat that stuff. But OA was there, and I hated OA with a passion when I went, that first meeting. But you know what? Something stuck. And I, I'll just never forget that image, and it's just so profound with me. And here we are since 1989, so 20-how many years later, the weight is off. I'm in recovery. Thank you, God. I am so blessed. And with that, I'll pass. Uh, thank you, Lynette. And Kim G., you will be our last share. Thank you. Thanks, Julie. Good morning, all. Oh, God, I love this. Um, the man did not fully realize what it meant to be an alcoholic. Oh, this so hits me because understand the history that Bill at this point has tried to sell the solution for six months. And this is the first time, because, because of doc, Dr. Silkworth told him, that he tried to sell the problem to Dr. Bob. He tried to sell the problem to Dr. Bob. And when, when, when Bob finally said, well, how did you escape? You seem to know what I'm suffering from. His spirits were flagged because he was told it was the Oxford Group, and he's been doing the Oxford Group for like three or four years. But now that he knew what he suffered from, now that he understood the allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind, he was able to work those Oxford steps with a vigor he never knew he had, and he was able to recover. And that hits me so hard because that is my story. I was in and out of OA for 17 years, having temporary respites, having some relief, but never freedom. And when I reached a new level of desperation and I went to a meeting that told me the truth, that explained to me what a real compulsive overeater was, because unfortunately for 17 years, I thought food and weight was my problem. 
when I was in a meeting and they said, are there any other compulsive overeaters here? And I would raise my hand. I was raising my hand saying, I'm fat and I don't want to be fat anymore. Or I'm no longer fat and I'm terrified of getting fat again. I didn't understand the true nature of my illness. And when I understood the true nature of my illness and I looked at this book with new eyes and stopped reading the stories in the back thinking the stories would, would make me recover and started reading the instructions and started doing the instructions specifically and precisely that I recovered. And I realize now as a recovered woman that my problem was I worked over as anonymous as a diet program. I worked over as anonymous as someone that I just did slogans and people's opinions. So I just want to warn people who are on the line right now, a vision for you will clearly define the problem, clearly define the solution, and clearly define a plan of action. But you, it will remain a theory if you don't take action on it. Listening to vision for you will not treat your compulsive overeating. Doing the instructions in this big book, which hopefully we're bringing alive for you, will bring about a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. It is now time to close our meeting. I want to thank everyone who shared, and please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Lauren S. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Yes. Our Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him, to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.